Good morning, everybody. How's it going? Good morning. If you may, please, please stand. Gosh. And um, I don't know how your week has been, but um, I can speak for us over here. It's been quite a challenging week. Just, just stuff going on, right? With work and just things that, that can wear you down. And uh, this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about what worship is all about. And I think so often we, we try to try to feel good on Sunday. Like, you know what, we, we, we kind of have this thing, we, we got to forget about our problems and just, and be happy right now. Let's just be happy right now, right? And so often it's not about that. It's about being real. It's being, gen- being authentic before God. So we're going to be looking at the passage from Romans 12, verse 1 this morning in our teaching as well. Dearly brethren, I urge you by the mercies of Jesus of Christ to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And this is your act of worship or reasonable service. And I love the word that Paul uses. He says, I urge you, I, I plead with you, I beg you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And the, back in the day, you know, the people of Israel knew what a sacrifice was. A sacrifice meant that something had to die, right? And Paul talks about a living sacrifice, which is kind of a contradiction right there, because sacrifice is not meant to be living, it's supposed to be dead. But Paul is saying, hey, you believers, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. The, the, the part that should die has to die. The old self that's in you cannot survive, should not survive. It has to be put to death every day, constantly. And the newness that God has given you should be alive and constantly keep growing in Christ. And that is your act of worship. If we don't have that, I get goosebumps, if, if we don't understand this concept of worship, no matter what we do here on Sunday mornings, no matter how much we sing or dance, it's just entertainment, it's just manipulation. And none of us over here wanna be entertainers. We don't wanna manipulate you guys, okay? We want to truly understand what worship is all about. And that means dying to self every day, constantly, and being renewed as well at the same time. Amen? Okay. And this is the beauty of it. You know, I always have this image in my mind that worship is like, imagine if Jesus was walking down the downtown Boise on a parade, on a float. Okay, and it, it was really happening. Just imagine, okay, with me for a second here. And you, you heard about it, like, this is, this is not true. It cannot be true. And then you show up, like, whatever. Let me see what's going on. And you really see him on the float. You're like, oh, my gosh. Is that really Jesus? And people are freaking out. People are screaming and yelling and dancing, right? And he comes on this float and comes right close to you. And he gets off that float and walks right up to you. What would you do then? Would you be screaming and dancing? Now, I'd be bawling, right? Because I would realize how unworthy I am of this person, of this God being so close to me. And that is worship. There's no, they, they cannot be dancing. I feel like this, when God is close to you, you're broken. You're like, God, I'm a man of unclean lips. That's what Isaiah says when he saw God in his glory. And I think when God is holy, comes close to us, he shows us our our flaws, our, our dirtiness, and, and it brings us to repentance. So this morning, 
we're going to sing the song, Lord, I Need You. And the verse, first verse says, Lord, I come, I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one who guides my heart. And this morning, if you are not there to sing that song, where you are able to confess and repent, then let's not sing it. Because if you sing it without meaning it, it's just a ritual. It's just a pagan ritual. Let's, let's realize that God is here. He's close to us, whether we realize it or not. He's near us, and worship is about being broken and being redeemed at the same time. Amen? God, we come before you right now. We confess that we so often come here and just do the same thing over and over again. We get so familiar in doing this act every Sunday. We put on a good show. I pray, God, that you'll convict us. You'll convict us, Father, over and over again of, of what you want from us. It's not songs. It's, it's not us being over here, but it's our hearts. It's our minds. It's us being captive to you. It's us sacrificing ourselves every day to you is what you are glorified through. It's through our lives and our actions. And this morning, God, I, con I pray that you'll convict us of our sins. If we have been deliberately sinning against you, and we haven't repented for that, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will convict us. You'll break us right now. We will not go further from here, God, but we will ask for forgiveness. If we have been not sincere and serious about our walk with God, I pray that you will convict us, God. If we've been taking your grace for granted and just sinning and sinning over and over again, I pray, God, that you will convict us. May your spirit convict us this morning in a profound way. We want our lives to worship you more than our words, more than our songs. We want our lives to glorify you, God. Therefore, I urge you by the mercies of God. You guys can grab a seat. The therefore is, is an interesting therefore. A lot of people disagree in Romans 12.1 on what that's specifically speaking to. Is it speaking specifically to verse or chapter 11 where it's talking about how the Gentiles have been grafted in? But most scholars have come to the agreement or understanding that really the therefore is because of everything that's happened in chapter 1 through 11 in Romans. We see this unbelievable mercy that God has given us from where we were to what we are to who we become in Christ. And it's interesting when we, when we look at this scripture, when we see the therefore, and, we, and you see, like Jonathan was saying at the very beginning, this, this pleading, this, this, this asking, the Apostle Paul has every bit of authority to, to command but he doesn't. He doesn't command. Instead, he pleads. It's almost like he's, he's it's, not a, it's not a begging. It's, 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 it's grander and more beautiful than a begging. It's something where he's saying, look, because of the mercies of God, this is, this is the only natural thing you can do. Because of God's uh, inex inexplainable, unexplainable, in ridiculous, incomparable mercy, I urge you, I urge you by the mercy of God, present these words in this, this, this beginning of chapter 12 are so huge and so profound, and we have no time to go through it because we just wanted to spend a day giving you guys an opportunity to truly do just that. The, the, the verb that present, the way it's used in the tense, the way it's, the way it's explained here is actually a one-time thing. It's not something that we need to keep presenting ourselves over and over and over again. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And he tells us to present ourselves, present your bodies 
as a living sacrifice. Jonathan mentioned the, the kind of the, the oxymoron in that. Everyone knew that a sacrifice had to be living before it was a sacrifice. But a sacrifice wasn't a sacrifice until the, the blood was manipulated and, and it spilled in a specific way and it was, it was done through the rituals and then it was a sacrifice. But there was no life left after that. In fact, biblically, we only have two living sacrifices. We get Isaac, who walks up the hill with his father, gets on the altar to be, to be killed by his father. And just before he's killed, God stops him and, and provides a ram in place of him. Make, like, we must not understand that Isaac truly got up and sacrificed himself. He willingly got in place. He didn't get overpowered by his dad wasn't a big quarrel in there. He stepped on the altar and was ready to have his life taken. And so we see in Isaac this living sacrifice, someone who was able to give his entire life for God's purposes. And the other one we get in this living sacrifice is Jesus Christ. We see that ultimately, yes, he was killed. His blood was spilled and he was, he was beaten and bruised for our place. But we know that he didn't stay. Three days later, he walked. And so the Apostle Paul, in light of those two living sacrifices and the understanding of every single first century Jewish person of what a sacrifice means, he calls us to live this sacrifice out. He calls us to live this sacrifice out. The sacrifice is living. It reflects the voluntary nature of an act. The sacrifices of the new order do not consist in taking the lives of others, like the ancient animal sacrifices, but in giving one's own life. Living for Christ is harder than dying for him. Hear me, hear me out on this. Let me, let me say it this way. I think every single man in here would say, I would take a bullet for my wife. I would stand in front of this. And, and we, have, we have fellow believers around. <laughs> if you don't say that, there's, there's other issues, okay? No. <clears throat> every single one of us would say we'd die. And I think if most of us knew if there was a gun to our head and someone said denounce Christ or die, we would all want to say, those of us that follow Jesus, say, I hope that I would say I would, I would choose to die. Never would I denounce Christ. And, and, and we have brothers and sisters that have to experience this. We have brothers and sisters that are today that are experiencing that very scenario. Maybe it's not a gun, but it's something else. Maybe it's not their own life, but it's their children's life. But either way, when it comes to us, living for Christ is actually more difficult. Because to be a living sacrifice, it, it brings about two very, very specific things. The first is, is that you don't get to just sacrifice your arm. Isaac didn't get up there and say, okay, Dad, now I know what this whole sacrifice thing means, but can we just take my left arm because I'm right-handed and, you know, like, just, just let me just put that up on the altar. No, the sacrifice was the entirety. It wasn't like Jesus said, okay, I'll bear this cross, but not all of it. So what it means is it means your entire body, every single part of your body. The second thing it means is this, is that for us to be a living sacrifice, that means that we are living, and every day we have to die to ourselves. That means that it is a conscious decision every single day, every single moment to say, I choose death before life. I choose Christ before me. To be a living sacrifice is, is, is the most beautiful and profound thing that we can do. It's what's we, what we're called to. In fact, you know what it goes on to say? It says, this is your, 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 your act of spiritual worship, which can be translated, this is your reasonable service. When we hear reasonable service, it seems so kind of dumbed down and minimized, like reasonable service that seems so small. But when you think about it in the context of, of who our service is to, it's the only reasonable thing we can do in light of those mercies. Amen? In light of the mercy that you've been pour, that's been poured out on you, 
by the entire living sacrifice of Jesus Christ, he calls you to live this sacrifice as well. So I, I ask you this question, what are you holding back? Have you fully presented yourself? Have you presented yourself in a way where you're done, where you're done with everything that you are, recognizing the need? Lord, I need you. You recognize the need that you have for him. That apart from him, there is no value of this life. There is no hope. There is no mercy. There is no joy. To be a living sacrifice means that I choose death every day for you, God. So as we talk about worship and we talk about ways of, of doing it, it's not instrumentation and good voices. Worship is your life. There isn't a single part of your life that isn't God's. When you withhold, you are saying that he is not worthy to be worshiped. When you withhold, you're, you're making a statement that you presented already as if it didn't already happen. You're at, you're at war with yourself in that. So as we, as we spend the rest of the day working through worshiping God, not just in voice, not just in harmonies or instrumentation, but as we let the outpour of our life as a living sacrifice worship the God who, is, who's, who we are implored to do so by his mercy, I encourage you to do a few things. One is repent. Repentance is one of the, the, the hardest things for us to do because it's, it's in the face of our pride. It's being able to say that I was wrong without excusing away or minimizing or blaming or shifting. But repent. True repentance isn't something that you do once. True repentance happens on a regular basis because you will continue to fall or step away from your God. True repentance is saying, I am, I am incapable of doing anything on my own. I need those mercies. I need that grace. So I'd encourage you to repent. We're going to take communion in a little bit. The Apostle Paul, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, the Apostle Paul pushes on the Corinthians in, in 2 Corinthians where he says, do not take this in an unworthy manner. What was happening is they were taking this communion as if it didn't matter what it, they were doing. It was just kind of became a tradition in what they did, and they were getting drunk on the wine and eating too much food. He said, what is wrong with you people? You've, you've missed the point of what you're doing. And my fear is so many of us miss that as well because we assume worship is just some instruments and looking at a few people, and worship is our life. So the first thing I ask you is, is repent. Some of you need to repent before communion. Some of you need to pick up your phone right now and you need to call. You need to step out of the room and call someone and say, I need to ask for forgiveness. I have bitterness, I have anger, I have resentment in my heart and it's ugly and it's gross and it's not what God created me. It's not someone of a living sacrifice some of you need to repent of, to God just of your fears. Maybe the, the, the same battles you've had forever. Some of it, it's, it's the addictions you have. You know, you know, what's amazing is so many of us, we, we lie to ourselves. We believe the truth in our own heads that we can, we, can, we, can, we can keep maintaining this lifestyle where not all of our life is God's, and that is actually worshiping him. When right here, the, the, the Apostle Paul gives us a very good recipe for worshiping, and he pleads the why you know, when a two-year-old says, why, why, why? The Apostle Paul just gives us that. Because of the mercies of God. This is the only reasonable thing that anyone would do that has experienced the mercies of God. They would present themselves once and for all as a living sacrifice to God. And they would allow the, their life to worship him. And they wouldn't sit there and nitpick what is or isn't being said or how the words are done or if it's off-key or on-key. Their life would be about God. So the first thing is repentance. The second thing I want you guys to do and I encourage you to do is to pray for one another. Some of you right now, you came in today with a lot of baggage, a lot of hurt, and a lot of pain, and you need prayer. 
you need, you need to pray. And I, I encourage you, just turn to the person next to you and say, I, don't, I just need prayer. Maybe, maybe you need more than that. And you need to go out in the back room. And you need a few people to pray for you. But, but turn to each other and pray. Let the Spirit lead you in that. Just lead you to someone else as he's unified you by himself. And then the third thing I would encourage you to do is I would encourage you not to go through the motions today. If you can't sing, Lord, I need you, and not truly mean it, don't sing. Don't do it. If you can't sing these words without truly letting your heart be this, if you know that in the, the, the root of the heart right now, like your heart is in a spot where you are not truly sold out for this, you're not truly living for Christ, you're hoping for an opportunity to die for him someday, but you're not really living for him, don't go through the motions. Confess. But allow this time to be something for you, maybe just to spend listening to, listening to God. Maybe all you need to do is just hear him. You need to confess your pride. You need to ask for, your, for humility. Maybe it's, it's just time for us to start believing that he's truly living and active. See, I think a lot of times the opposite happens with the living sacrifices. We forget that Jesus is still living. We believe that he was sacrificed for us. We believe that he, he died for us, but we forget that he's actually living right now today. And he has a purpose for you and for me. And our role and our desire and all the mercies should compel us to do, the mercies that God should compel us to do is to bring glory to him because he's so worthy of it. So sing, repent, pray, be silent, listen, stand up, kneel down, this time is for you. This time is for you to, to, to not just experience some kind of mystical thing, but to, to encounter the Spirit of God in the way that He has always been there and present for you. It's not for you to, to just make some big declaration of who Jesus Christ is today and then to walk out this room and live a totally different life. No, it's, it's that your whole life would be presented to God as a living sacrifice. And you say, no more, I am done living for myself, God. I desire to live for you. And I know that, that for that to happen, I have to die to myself every single day. Heavenly Father, we pray as we come to you, unworthy. The entire first 11 chapters of Romans tell us just how unworthy we are of you, God. But we come to you knowing that it is not, it is not our doing that makes us worthy, it's you. And so, God, I pray for the individuals in here that desire to, to worship you with their lives, but keep getting stuck. They keep getting stuck on the same old humdrum. God, I pray that you break in. I pray that you captivate their heart by your mercies. When we just look at the mercy of God, when we just look at what we don't have because of you and what we do have because of you, we cannot help but worship you. You're worthy of our worship, God. God, for the individuals in here that need to repent, God, I pray that you'd break them down of their pride. Help them to see that their excuses is just the enemy playing with their head. Help them to see that the blaming that they're doing is just holding them back from experiencing the freedom in you. God, for the individuals in here that continue to go through the motions, would your spirit move in a mighty way in them today? I pray this often, God, and I truly, truly believe that this happens, but I pray that you would wreak havoc on our hearts, that we would be inconsolable by anyone, that would be lost, undone, ruined, with nothing left but to live for you. There is no sweeter place to be, Father. So as we worship you in, in silence 
or in repentance, or as communion when we come to it, or in song, or in prayer. God, as we worship you, I pray, I pray, I pray, God, that each one of us would experience you in a way not that can't be duplicated throughout the rest of this week, God, but would experience you in a way where we realize that you truly are living and you sacrificed everything for us. God, I pray that our reasonable thing that we would do today would be to serve you by worshiping you with our entire lives. It's in Jesus' glorious, mighty, profound, powerful name we pray. Amen. John 6, verse 48 says, says, I am the bread of life, Jesus speaking. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that, that one may eat of it and not die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. It goes on further. The Jews disputed, how can he give his flesh? How does this make sense? This is so early in Jesus' walk here. But as he gets to the, the last supper that was kind of around Passover time, which would be a normal time to share a meal and to do the kind of the, the traditions that would happen, Jesus rocks it and he changes it completely. He changes it for, for the better for us. He brings about a new covenant, something that Jesus says that on the cross ultimately has fulfilled the curse of the covenant, but then also the blessing of keeping the covenant in one person in Jesus Christ. And so when we get an opportunity to take communion, when we come together to do communion, which was in the back table, you guys can go do it at any point throughout the rest of the day. I want to encourage you to remember what you're doing. Jesus tells his disciples that he says two things, two promises from them. First, he says, I will never partake of this meal again with you until my coming again. So Jesus is longing to take and have this meal, have this celebration with us again, but it's not until his second coming. And the other promise he says, he says that you need to do this in remembrance of me of what I've done for you. That word remembrance is actually where we get our word amnesia. So what he's saying is, in a sense, is saying, don't forget what I'm doing for you. And I think so often the reason why we aren't a living sacrifice is because we've forgotten. We've forgotten. So as, as, as believers come to the table with a heart that is, that is, that is repentant, with a heart that says, I am, I, am, I am undone and I'm willing to be put back together by the mercy and grace of God alone. We take and we eat of a bread and, and a little bit of juice, which symbolizes something so much more profound than bread and juice. It symbolizes the flesh, the body of Jesus that was broken for you and the blood that was spilled for you and me. So when we take this, what we're saying is we're saying two things. We're, we're, we're not only are we not forgetting what he has done for us in the past in his grace and his mercy, but we're also not forgetting about what he's doing in us and for us and through us for the future. So when we take communion, we, we, we take it as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, submitted to his will, his lordship, and say, I will not forget. I will not forget that it was your flesh and your blood that was spilt to its entirety. You were, you were undone completely, only to walk out of that tomb three days later to be the living sacrifice that you now call us to be. And so he says one other thing. He says that this is, that this is a holy, in, in Romans 12, he says this is a holy an acceptable thing. This is the, the, the living sacrifice that we are is holy and acceptable, which is a really profound thing because there was nothing specifically holy, again, in the sacrificing of animals. The animals themselves weren't holy. It was the God that made this thing holy. And so what is, what is he calling us to? He's calling us to be holy and acceptable. What we just went through, Ephesians, we figured out that we are holy and acceptable, not by anything we do, but because of what Christ has done for us. 
So when we take communion, we get to stand as a holy and acceptable person, understanding that our spiritual, our spiritual worship or our reasonable service is to live for Christ. And so when we take our communion, we take communion saying, God, it is you I take this for. It is your work I live for. It is your blood I live for. It is your desires I want. I want your mind. I want your heart. I will not forget what you've done for me, and how dare I forget what you're doing in me and, and through me for the future. So as we continue to worship again, I would encourage you with those three things, repentance, prayer, and maybe just silence. But as you do this, don't you forget, no matter how hard or how far, or maybe if you've literally just had one finger on the table and you have not been a living sacrifice, you are never, ever too far gone from him. You are never outside of his grasp. You are never outside of his reach. His mercies are unending. And so as we just sit here and pray, as we take communion, as you feel led, the table's back there. Maybe do this with some people next to you. Maybe you just need to be praying for people. Whatever it may be, I encourage you, I implore you, I plead with you to not forget what Christ has done for you and to not forget the promises of his future. Father, we come before you excited to partake in something that um, you instituted through Jesus Christ with his disciples in that upper room many, many years ago, and it's still standing true and firm. It's a celebration that isn't, isn't made holy in itself, but you are holy, God. How dare we go through the motions in this, God? How, how dare we forget what it means to take communion? what it means to be able to partake in, in the, the living sacrifice that we are because of your broken body and your spilled blood. Father, I pray that we'd come to the table empty. I pray that we'd come to the table empty of, of anything that isn't of you, God. And I pray that we would just be filled. We'd be filled with your spirit. We'd be filled with your truth. We'd be filled with your life. Father's living sacrifices, we come before you excited to not forget what you've done for us and profoundly expectant on what you're doing in and through us for the future for your kingdom purposes and your glory alone. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to continue worshiping God by giving our tithes and offerings to him. God, I pray that you'll, you'll um, convict us if we don't trust you enough in our giving. Um, I pray that you'll convict us if we give for anything other than rejoicing, God. May we give to just re in, in a heart, from a heart of thankfulness and gratitude um, without expecting anything in return, God, because you are worthy of all that we have. Um, teach us to be generous people, God. Teach us to trust you more, not giving. I will extol you, Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, is, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall command your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. 
The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your, de your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth, my mouth, Lord, will speak the praise of the Lord. And let all the flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the ability to worship you. God, we pray that, that, that our worship, our life, would be um, something that would bring you as a father that created us joy. Our desire is to bring you joy. Our desire is to live for you. There are not enough words to explain your goodness or your grandness or your power. But we will willingly spend the rest of our lives trying to do so, Lord, as we live for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful weekend.